0: All this knowledge is out there, dentists have the knowledge, but it's getting the patients to say yes to a comprehensive treatment plan, which typically where we work can range from anywhere from you know, 10,000 pounds to 30,000. Welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast, the forward thinking podcast for dental professionals. Join us as we discuss hot topics in dentistry, clinical tips, continuing education, and adding value to your life and career. With your host,
1: Jazz Gulati. Hi guys and welcome to episode number 35 of the Protrusive Dental Podcast. I'm your host, Jazz Gulati. And how awesome was that last episode with Richard Porter? I mean, wow. Uh, his his sort of take on warmth and competence. I love that. That really is the magic formula to be a successful clinician, in my opinion, and in Richard's as well, warmth and competence. So do check that out if you haven't already. Today is about something a little bit different. It's about case acceptance, specifically in smile design. I've got Dr. Gers Semi, who's just phenomenal. He does so many cosmetic cases, uh, which I love seeing, and he sort of breaks them down. He he teaches dentists how he he, he does these, and he he actually teaches patients how he goes about this process, and they find so much value from this. So he's such a great guy to talk about it, and I'm, I'm really excited to share this content with you today. But I have to say that Case acceptance is a bit of a taboo subject because people think, oh, it's like very salesy and stuff. But really, it's such an important topic, I think, and we shouldn't be embarrassed to talk about this or listen to this. Because however good of a dentist you are, no matter how awesome your hands are, how passionate you are, how much of a difference you can make to your patients' lives, if you cannot get the patient to understand the treatment plan and understand the value of it then they will rather spend their money on a kitchen or a holiday or a handbag, things like that. But if you can really emotionally create a spark within them to see that look, doing this piece of work will really make them feel good about themselves and that you get to do a dentistry that you love doing, it's what you're trained to do, then that's the win-win formula. Serving your patient and, and I guess sales in that in that sense is, is serving your patients. So uh, I, I make no apologies for, for, for making content like this with Dr. Gersemi. Uh, I think he's, he's really gonna give you a few thinking points and a few gems to go away with. Now, before we dive into that episode, I've got a reminder and some updates. So the reminder is that a lot of these episodes I've got video as well so sometimes when you hear me listening to the guests or, or, or speaking to the guest, and and we're like oh do you see this margin over here what would you do well actually there is a case that I'm showing them and you could see that too so a lot of the videos are on YouTube they're definitely on dental tubules as I'm getting around to uploading them and the benefit of that is that you can get one hour of CE or CPD depending on where you're from uh, verified so wherever you are in the world you can get verified um, CPD points or an hour when you listen to a podcast episode. And you always have to answer a few simple questions to make sure that you actually listened. Now, the other reminder is is an interesting one. Um, I was supposed to be hosting in May 2020, Occlusion 2020 event with Dr. Michael Melkers. And obviously that got covided, uh, And now the new date, as we've known for a while now, is November 27th and 28th, still at Heathrow uh, Sheraton Skyline Hotel. And it's still a sold out event. And I am really really hoping this goes ahead and we don't get a a massive second wave so we're kind of at the mercy of like you know the governments in the USA and the UK yeah watch this space but as far as I can tell you right now we are hoping to make this event run and it's encouraging to see other course providers also uh, advertising some courses in November so that's very encouraging there have been around about five people five delegates who can no longer come to the occlusion 2020 event uh, because of various reasons Reasons. And so if you'd like to come instead of these five people, then you just need to go to occlusion2020.com and sign up on the waiting list. And I'll be in touch when the next phase of tickets are out. You guys can listen to episode 15 again with Dr. Michael Melkers and about how much he has inspired me and helped me in my understanding of occlusion so if you think that uh, you want to learn more about how to break down simple cases all the way to more complex multi-unit and even full mouth cases then dr michael melkers was a huge huge inspiration to me so do check out occlusion2020.com for that Uh, And lastly, I have to um, make an apology to you all that I kind of cocked up while making this podcast episode and I didn't have a video of this episode. But don't worry, the whole thing is on audio uh, and you can be listening to it on the podcast. I've also made like a a video sound wave file with the audio in the background. But unfortunately, this isn't one of my video podcasts could be an audio only. So back to the roots. And of course, the Protrusive Dental Pearl I have for you is about an internal bleaching case that I shared on my Instagram and on my Facebook page. The Facebook page is Protrusive Dental Podcast Facebook page and the Instagram is my name at Jazzy Gulati. Check it out. It's a super internal bleaching case, if I may say so myself, because... I look at this case and I think wow I've made such a huge difference to someone's life. This is a mid 20s guy. He studies at Princeton Uni uh, in in USA and he's back in the UK for a short while and since the age of 12 he's had this black upright one and the rest of his teeth were pretty much yellow and the difference you see you know going to an A1 B1 shade all over like all the teeth including the the black tooth is just amazing. I mean this is single tooth dentistry at its finest. Uh, And I'm really proud of the result and I was really, really happy and so was he. So this is the kind of case that you can make a real difference. So I shared a little bit about how I manage that. But the Producive Dental Pearl I have for you today is a tool I used to deliver the peroxide gel into the access cavity, so it's, it's a two-part pearl. One is that whenever you're doing an internal uh, whitening case of a of a central incisor or a or lateral incisor, make sure that you refine the access cavity to include the pulp horns. You'd be surprised how many times I've had to open up and extend into the pulp horns and find necrotic tooth tissue. So you need to get that, otherwise, discoloring uh, discoloration persists. So that's one tip, and the other one is to deliver the peroxide gel into the tooth. Um, and endodontists they use this like a uh, little gun that you can put or like a little um, tip that you can put inside a composite gun uh, and it's a very fine long tip that you can insert peroxide gel into and deliver it all the way inside uh, to the deepest part of your access cavity where you want the peroxide gel to go. And I found this so, so easy to deliver the peroxide gel inside. Uh, way easier than using the whitening gels. So I made a video of uh, of using this little uh, tip. It's, it's one that edidontists typically used for MTA plugs. So I'm sorry, Caesar, if you listen to this, I used one of your tips. Uh, he's my edidontist. Uh, so I shared the video of this on the Protrusive's Dental Community Facebook group. Check it out uh, and let me know what you think. So I'm not gonna blab on any longer. We've got Dr. Gurz Semi and case acceptance in smile design. I'll catch you in the outro. Enjoy. Gers, welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast. Jazz, nice to meet you. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's, it's finally good to, to have you on. I remember meeting you a few years ago at a charity uh, event. It was a BSDO charity event. And even before then I knew about your online presence. But even since then, I have seen some really amazing video content that you've produced, and you're a very good educator in the in the video content. And recently, uh, you spread you came to mind when people were asking me, "Jazz, do you know any resources where I can learn uh, digital dental photography?" And your teachable course came to to mind straight away, and I would shared that, and that's when I reached out to you. So uh, amazing content that you produce. Cool.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you <laughs> I'm glad you like it.
1: Tell 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 the listeners a, a little bit, uh, and, and people now who are watching on the YouTube, tell them a, a little bit about yourself, um, where you practice, what kind of work you do.
0: Sure. Okay. So we're, we're a little bit specialists. Um, I work with uh, Rahul Doshi, who a lot of people probably know. Um, he owns the Perfect Small Studios, and I, I've been working there for the last 10 years or so. Uh, recently, in the last three to six months, I've started just doing a little bit in a Has just opened up um, a little bit closer to home, and we 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 do the the more complex uh, cosmetic kind of treatments. That's that's really how we're we're pretty focused, all completely. But people who are looking for a, a really robust, comprehensive solution. Um, those are the kind of people who we who we kind of attract, and um and those are the guys who we who we normally treat as well. So typically larger cases as well.
1: Well, what comes to mind, and the reason i the, the mission I've given you today, gurus is, is 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 for case acceptance that because you could have all the knowledge up here and you can have all the great hand skills. But until you can get the patient to be on board with the plan and have, um, the same sort of expectation, same sort of vision. Um, you're not going to get happy patients and you're not going to get to do the dentistry that you want to do. So the the first thing I'm going to ask you straight away off the bat is describe a little bit about what you've created now in our last 10 years working there you've set something up now so congratulations for that but what is your ideal patient journey and how does that feeds into ultimately getting to the type of dentistry that you want to do?
0: Yeah, sure. Okay. So that's like a super complicated question, right? <laughs> With so many different aspects. So let let's um let's kind of take it step Break it by down. step. You, you did you you mentioned getting the patient on board. This is ninety percent of the the um the thought process and what we do is giving the ownership of the treatment plan to the patient. Now, in addition, you you're absolutely right in that. Most dentists, right, there's not a lack of knowledge or or lack of courses out there right everyone well if you start going on courses on occlusion courses you know what CR is you know what you know CO is you, you know how to prep a veneer a crown, on lay, you know all this stuff ortho you know implants all this knowledge is out there dentists have the knowledge but it's getting the patients to say yes to a comprehensive treatment plan which typically where we work can range from anywhere from you know 10,000 pounds to 30,000 and you need to also have the confidence in your own skills that you know how to do this. Because when you go to all these courses, all you get is theoretical knowledge, right? Really. Um, I mean, a lot of you guys will probably know uh, Prem and sometimes I, I speak to him and I'm like, dude, you know, you run all these courses, like veneer prep courses and everything, and people get to try out a veneer prep. But th- the models you guys try out on, they're all that best case scenarios. these guys, the models don't need veneers. They've already got a perfect smile. So you're learning to do mm. preps on perfect teeth, yeah. you know, things like this. It's not real life. It's when you start taking that theoretical knowledge, putting it into real life. And honestly, you make mistakes as well. And learning from the mistakes and it's only through physical practice do you actually get better and better, you know? So, I mean, the the whole process, it starts from the marketing your online presence okay so you have to you have to have the guts to be polarizing online so what i mean by that is you you have to be honest with your own voice right and say look i'm really good at treating this kind of situation okay so whether whether it's like i don't know all on four or something right let's say you you just pick one and then you'll become like a million times more attractive to that kind of customer who's thinking about all in four because you're the person to see for that treatment, you know. So there's a whole bunch of people doing this here, Align, bleach, and bond. Um, I've got no interest in that. So you'll you'll never see me talking about that kind of stuff, which is fine because the all in four guys don't want to know about um align, bleach and bond. So number one is position yourself in the market to attract the kind of patient who you want to attract then when that patient comes in there's there's like a two hour process two to three hour process that we go through um from uh, you know it starts with information gathering you know find out what the patient wants find out emotional triggers present the treatment plan in a certain way carry out the whole consultation in a certain way and uh and then ultimately get a case acceptance okay well, it's a I'm lot so of hard work it's it, very it, different
1: it's, I was going to interject uh, for a moment. So you you talked about um, having that correct online presence to essentially target the right type of patient for the right type of care that you want to deliver. And I think you really beautifully described that and to position yourself in in practice. But you did, you know, something that I think you said, which I think will help a lot of young dentists is along the way, along the journey, you, you will make a few mistakes here and there, and how can you pick yourself up? So let's say you're a couple of years qualified and you're trying to be a little bit more uh, ambitious with your treatment because that's where growth happens. If you st- stagnate and you don't challenge mm. yourself, you're not gonna grow, right? And let's say a couple of mistakes happen, mm-hmm. hopefully nothing too big. What mm-hmm. advice would you give to that dentist before we then pick up the conversation? So What, what actual advice would you give to that dentist? Because you know that was you some many years ago, that's some of us now, what advice can you give us?
0: Okay, so first of all, get some kind of mentor, someone who is better than you at the stuff that you want to do, okay? Um, this doesn't necessarily need to be a paid mentoring, but when when I was young, we we spent a £1,000 a month on, on mentoring, right? Getting my head straight. And, you know, say we did it for a year, so that's what's that, £12,000 plus that. Um, that education that came with that mentoring has paid for itself like so many times. So having someone to talk to about cases is going to minimize your mistakes, okay? Because each case is different, every time um, you pass a case on to a mentor, they're gonna see things which you're not able to see straight away, okay? So it's all about minimizing your mistakes. And then be completely upfront and honest with the patient. it's the first smile design you've ever done, say hey, hey look, you know what this, I've been to like a million courses. I know exactly how to do this, but I want to be completely upfront, okay um, this is this is what's complicated in your case, which I haven't done before, but this is how we're going to minimize that um, any risks of anything because you want to, you want to, you don't want to scare the patient off by your inexperience, but you do want to level with them and say look, um, this is all the bad stuff that can happen and this is how we're going to minimise all of that happening.
1: I think that's a really um, good point I think sometimes dentists are afraid to tell the patient that this might be the first time you're doing a procedure but it's all about the correct setup the correct way in which you communicate that so I think you said that really well like look I've done all the courses and here are the mistakes that can happen here is how we're going to mitigate them but by the way if this is the first time but don't worry um, I'm really looking forward to doing this and I've got a, a whole plan and structure for you to give that patient the confidence and to be fair if, if that patient um, it is not on board, then that's not the kind of patient you want to be treating for your first case anyway.
0: Yeah, because they're going to give you more problems later down the line. What you'll find is most pace, patients are so nice. They're so genuine. Understand, most dentists have already built up a, a lot of rapport with their patients as well. So when they're in the, the mindset now that they want to do something a bit more comprehensive, they, they, there's a level of trust that's already there. And say you're in general practice and one of your patients has got all this tooth wear and now they're ready to do something. You need to change that trust from being your general dentist to being someone who's really good at this complicated situation. And for wear cases, for example, I know that like, okay, a real life example, last year or maybe the year before, this guy came in and he had this wear pattern that I didn't know what was causing it, right? Um... But uh, when, when it comes to like um, occlusion and everything, I know that if I generally open the bite up and you're in CR, then things would generally be okay. But I was just straight up honest with it. I was like, look, we've treated like so many wear cases, but yours is slightly different. There's certain teeth which have worn and certain teeth which are like perfectly new. You know, so I'm not 100% sure how this has happened, but what we're gonna do is build everything up in temporaries first make sure that everything is right in the temporaries because we can change whatever we want we can change the aesthetics we can change the bite we can change anything we need to and only once we've got it right in temporaries are we going to move forward okay so the risk with wear cases is that you you don't you know you you restrict envelopes of motion you you, you don't make the bite harmonious with the patient's jaw and then you get fractures right and when patients are paying you know 1200 a unit then that's an expensive problem and they're paying a lot for the the security that you know problems shouldn't happen so um yeah in that case i was like dude look <laughs> look at your wear this is not something we see every day but this is how we're going to do it we're going to address all of this make sure it is right employees. that gives them the confidence to say you know what yeah we, we can move forward with this
1: and that's the ultimate uh, consent process as well. So uh, thanks for going on that little uh, detour with me because I think the people would have uh, listening would have picked up on that and you mentioned it, and I think that's gonna really help people. So we're now back to the, the two hour process. So you've now done your correct marketing for the right type of patient for mm-hmm. the treatment that you are known mm-hmm. for. Uh, so the example you gave yeah. was all on four. So the patient now uh, turns up, uh, what is this two hour process?
0: Okay, so first of all, uh, first of all, there's an hour before the two hour process. Okay, so the <laughs> patients would inquire via the website, they would come in for a free consultation, typically. Free consultation is with the treatment coordinator, a treatment coordinator is a team member who knows a lot about the processes that and, and the, the ethics of the practice. So patient comes in, talks to a treatment coordinator, gets an idea on cost. Okay. On my website and my sort of videos that I do online, I try and just be open and upfront about the costs. Yeah. You know, there's no point in, in hiding that. The earlier a patient knows about the cost, the easier the sale is going to be. Okay. Because you don't want to get to the point where you've invested so much time in building a relationship and then you say, Look, it's going to cost this much. And the patient's like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that.
1: Are you enjoying the Protrusive Dental podcast? Well, allow me to deliver you even more value. You can now download the iOS or Play Store app nothing we worked so hard on this a protrusive team and i know you're just gonna love it now back to the main episode
0: because if the if the number um, that
1: you if the if the the sort of fee of the treatment that your practice has and the patient's expectations are not at the correct match then that can be one reason that uh, you won't be getting to do that dentistry because a patient generally either could not afford it or does not value it at that level. So it's, it's a good point, actually, mm-hmm. and something that I try and do as well, um, even on any sort of Instagram inquiries that I get. I, I, some people are like, oh, um, when you come to the clinic, we'll have an open discussion and always oh, difficult to give a price because everyone's different. Whereas I'm like, look, typically mm-hmm. it costs three to 4000 pounds for a course of Invisalign, whitening, blah, blah, blah. So I'm very open. Is that? Do you think that's a better way in your opinion?
0: yeah i mean there's there's so many people who are just shopping around and that's cool you know if you if you want to to shop around that's absolutely fine but there's plenty of people who who kind of know how much it is okay so someone's looking i i had an inquiry on on instagram the other day and the lady was like um yeah i've seen like i know they you know veneers cost roughly this this kind of figure and i think um and, and i just said look if you want if you want veneers, it depends on how many you do. Roughly a thousand pounds of teeth. How many do you want to do? <laughs> you know, you don't say how many do you want to do, but that's essentially what you're saying. So the patient mm-hmm. effectively chooses how much the budget is. Yeah, you know, by how many teeth that they want to do. So it's mm-hmm. quite
1: so, so that's something the treatment coordinator will, will explain.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I think legally you're supposed to have your prices yeah. on your website as well. But the thing yeah. is It's very difficult for a patient, especially the kind of patients that I see where they've got multiple issues. Maybe they need root canals, maybe they need um, perio treatment, you know, all this stuff. They can't, until you've seen them, you can't diagnose them, right? If you're selling them a product like Invisalign or all on four or, or, you know, something like that, then then it's very easy. They're, They're almost like picking off the shelf. Hey, I would like this. But when you're trying to sell a comprehensive solution, that you know we know your mouth is terrible thank you for trusting us with that i don't know how much it's going to cost but it's going to be roughly between here and here you know so you you can give a range um, just to make sure you know they know roughly what they're in for and then once they have the assessment uh, you know we'll talk about the assessment how we do that but um they they then understand their problem and, and and they're building up trust and then you know it's, it's much easier for them to say yes if they know the price because the price is it is a stumbling point it's not the only one but it, it can be significant for a lot of people
1: mm-hmm. so in in the one hour with the tc they're discussing prices discussing different types of treatments mm. i mean uh, w- essentially in, in 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 a few sentences what's the aim of the tc
0: um to see if we're the appropriate practice for the patient and to get the patient to pay 200 pounds for a clinical consultation
1: brilliant okay so then now um, the all- on four patient comes in they've had a lovely um, discussion with your treatment coordinator who I imagine will also show examples of other cases that you've treated Just answer any queries because you would have trained your uh, treatment coordinator to a high standard so they can you know they can just you know off the shoulders give all the answers, because they've done it so many times before. And then they're like, you know what, I I think uh, I'm interested in this. Um, I like to go ahead with a a consultation, and then they pay their £200 and then they will come back to you on another day.
0: Yeah, typically,
1: Yeah. uh, yeah. So is this the best time to now talk about that appointment?
0: Yeah, well, the next one, the actual clinical consultation. Yep. Yeah. So what you mentioned about the TCO, absolutely right. They need to have all of the information, right? Loads of before and after photos. Um, if they're talking about implants, they need to know the difference between immediate, delayed, advantages, disadvantages, all the like, kind of nitty gritty, because they have to build up a lot of value, especially, you know, we charge 200 pounds for the consult. That's a, That's a lot compared to a lot of other practices. So, again, they need to be able to build up enough value to sell the £200 assessment. So, once they've done that, the patient comes in. Um, Just a quick question,
1: is your TCO taking photos for you?
0: No, this happens at this appointment.
1: Okay, so you don't have yeah. any photos so, uh, to go by?
0: no. Okay. It's a bit hit and miss. It's very yeah. difficult bringing the photo element into the TCO because, especially if there's limited number of cameras in the practice. I think the practice has maybe two cameras. Uh, okay. Two of the clinicians, me, Sam, we have our own cameras. So it's it's just a logistical thing, you know. Sure. Um, if the photos are taken at that TCO appointment, because remember, some of the people who come in for TCOs won't go ahead with a full assessment. They'll realize that maybe we're not the right people for whatever reason. So dedicating a camera to them is a little bit tricky. Sure. So when they come in for a clinical consultation, that's when the photos happen. So the first half an hour of the clinical consultation, I'm either seeing someone in a different room for just a small appointment or review, something like that. Um, Or, this is really important, I'll be chilling out upstairs with a coffee okay because getting your mindset in a calm and positive way right before that new patient consultation is really important all right the vibes you give off in those first three seconds that's make or break really so while I'm chilling out my nurse or someone is taking photos and quite often especially if we're looking for implants or a comprehensive treatment plan which we know from the TCO cons the we'll have an opg taken as well okay all of these things are printed out two copies of each photo and uh, and a sharpie's pen okay that sharpie's pen is the practice's best sales tool okay a little two-pan pen or whatever it is um, you can do it with you know iPad Pros or or touch screens and and stuff like that. It's a little bit flash, but to be honest, I like the rawness of a uh, of pen and paper. So, if you want to interrupt me at any point, do it, okay? Because I'll just talk about this process. No, so, I like, I like it. I,
1: I think it's so so. Mm. Um, it's back to the roots, you know, pen and paper, the feeling, and the patients that are in front of you. I, I like where this is going.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, I know what the patient's in for. I've got the TCO notes. I know a little bit of history. The the nurse will bring me up the photos before I see the patient. So I've got a bit of an idea on what's going on.
1: How many minutes have elapsed between uh, the nurse? uh, How long does it take your nurse nurses to do all that? You know, the OPG, Mm. the photos, the chit chat? About half an
0: hour. 30 minutes. On
1: average. Yeah. Cool.
0: So you've got the photos. mm -hmm, Then they'll call me down and let's say the patient's name is John um get your mindset in the right way before you go into the room okay head up positive tone of voice go in hi john how are you doing my name's gus i'm going to help you today okay that's it shake their hand and that that's really important because you need to portray confidence you this is this is like a, a show okay this is a the theater production you you're the star role here so you got you got to make a little bit of an entrance um and then I come the way our surgery is set up. I have to walk around the, the patient and sit down in, on my side. And even the angle at which my chair is at the beginning of the consultation and at the end of the consultation is stuff that I've already thought about. Okay, so I'll sit down uh, with the patient and I'll be like, "Hey, John. Yeah, thanks for coming in today. I've read all your notes. You came in to see Naomi the other day, and you know I've got a whole bunch of photos as well and X-rays. I kind of know why you're here." but is it okay if you just tell me your whole story in your own words, okay? And and then you listen, all right? Um, that is my standard line and my standard entrance for every single consultation, right? It doesn't matter what, what they're in for. I just wanna hear their story now, but you wanna also acknowledge that they've told their story before, and the last thing you wanna do is annoy them. Um, you, you probably, um, called a bank or something and you get passed from person to person to person and each time they don't know what the first person's, the message hasn't been passed on. That's super frustrating, right? So you acknowledge that they have told the story but you want to hear it again. Okay. Okay. So this bit takes up almost 15 to 20 minutes of them telling me the story again. Wow. It's really important the way that that, that we listen as well it's it's uh, we use processes called active listening so I don't know if you've covered this in, in other podcasts as well it's um, we, we you... haven't
1: no please tell us about active listening yeah. um, I mean I, I feel as though I've, I've done a bit of this but so, some of those people who may be listening uh, between passive active what the difference is please please tell my listeners
0: so you want to keep the conversation going but you want the patient to to know that you're listening and you want the patient to also know that you care, right? And the way you do this, when the patient is telling you a story, you don't you don't interrupt them, okay? But you do make kind of noises like, mm, yeah, oh, yeah, totally agree. <laughs> you know, just stuff like that to keep the conversation flowing. It also shows the patient that you are, you are listening. Um, the key points in the conversation is always going to be a couple. You, you just repeat back to them what they've just said. Okay, so say, oh yeah, John, yeah, that's that's terrible. So when you were six years old, this, this had his knee on your chest, <laughs> you know. So you just repeat. That's like the, every the, the story. patient,
1: Gurus. That's like every single patient yeah. had that. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, you know, you got empathise with them, and you can't. You you definitely don't tell them that they're wrong. Okay, of course. The not. patient must never. Okay, it's not that the patient is always right, right. but they must always. Be, they must always feel like they're right, okay? So we empathize with them and we say, hey, look, you know, this, this is terrible. And, and a lot of them have had a terrible story and a bad experience leads to lifetime of neglect, which leads them to our practice, right? That's, that's the, the, the typical process. Then when the patient will get to the end of their story eventually, okay? Uh, and then we need a way to, to turn the conversation around. So I, I then have a couple of questions which I can ask them to basically switch it around so I can be, instead of a listening role, take it into an educational role. Okay, I bet you want to know those questions.
1: <laughs> can, can I guess what it is? Ooh. I want to guess that, uh, and I like where this is going, but is it asking permission the patient to then go to the next stage and then therefore they feel in control because I think that's a really important thing, thing for patients to feel like uh, they're even like when I'm giving oral hygiene advice I'm like can I have your permission to just give you some feedback on how you're brushing like even little things I, I, I like saying it that way is it anything to do with that
0: yeah so that's that is part of it so it depends what the patient is in for Okay so if a patient is in for like a full mouth rehab they're really embarrassed about their smile and it's more of a functional issue rather than a uh, an aesthetic issue then you want to pick up their emotional trigger points uh, during the when information gathering when they when they're talking so let's say the uh, the thing was look I've lost so many back teeth that I, I can't eat properly with this crappy old denture that I've got and I, I can't even go out for dinner okay so then you know that's their emotional trigger point that's their end goal the end goal isn't a perfect set of teeth to look amazing in the mirror they just want to be able to go out okay these, these are the results of the treatments that you can provide so what you can do is okay look John so um, I think I know a couple of ways in which we've helped a whole bunch of people in a similar situation, like yourself, um, to be able to have a good solid set of teeth so they can go out to eat whatever they want. Okay? Do you mind if I just show you a couple of these now? So that's the do you mind bit, that's that's getting the permission, but sort of prepping up to that question is, hey look, we've seen your situation before, I know a couple of ways to fix it, do you mind if I just show you those now? They'll always say yes, right? And then, I, I call this a control question because it, it switches the control of the conversation to to the clinician now. And this is the moment to shine. So you're not selling at all. It's, it's really like you've got option one, option two, option three, whatever, you know, these are the different pros and cons of all of these. And um, this is the rough, you know, the kind of price points in which we don't overcomplicate things as well. You know, when it comes to full arch implant cases, there's probably about 20 different ways that you can restore it, different materials, different um, sort of immediates, delayed, all this kind of stuff. Just keep it really simple. Um, if, if we're looking at full arch I- implants, for example, then I'd say, look, uh, we can have something which is removable, ultimately removable, that clicks into to dentures, it's really, into implants, it's super solid, and it will let you have the end goal of what you wanted. Um, but some people don't like the fact it's it's removable, so we got a fixed one. Okay, so you're giving you're saying, do you want something fixed or semi-fixed? You know what what would be better for you, and then you can go into more detail on the fixed solutions or the semi-fixed solutions. So. Um I, I kind of think of it in my head like a, a tree at the top of the tree, you've got like 20 different solutions, but each one's got its branch. So you're asking just to, them to decide on little stuff. And eventually you'll make your way to to the ideal tri- treatment solution that they're, they're looking for.
1: That, that's a good point. I think one uh, one thing that people, dentists and this is not just young dentists because this is um, all dentists, at some point struggle with in communicating is that the whole satisfying the GDC about has every single option being explained but my argument for that is yeah. if a patient has come to you for example and they're missing an upper premolar for example and they want to have that replaced and their presenting complaint is you know I really when I smile on the side I get really embarrassed I really want this tooth replaced okay yet what you, what you find in every single treatment plan is do nothing A do nothing That is a completely Mm. inappropriate plan that yes, they should know that yeah, you know, you technically can have nothing, but that's not why they're here today. In the same vein, because that's a very simple example, what you're describing usually is very complex dentistry. But there are some things which Based on the story they've given you, you know that they're not going to a denture will not be appropriate for this person because they want a more fixed solution. So automatically, it whittles Mm, away mm. these choices. So you don't have to explain the 732 combinations. You you listen to the patient, Mm. you funnel out what they want, and you describe the things that are most appropriate for that patient in in terms of their goals and what's biologically possible. I suppose, and I think I just want to say that point because I think people get hung up on explaining every single damn option.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you don't need to explain it in a lot of detail. So I do always mention it. I'll be like, look, hey, number one, you could have a denture. I know you're going to say no, but you can have it. <laughs> right? And so that's, that's an it, option. you move on. Again, you move on. It brings, uh, saying something like that also brings a bit of humor and lightheartedness to the con- the whole consultation, okay? This, you've got to try so hard to make this consultation as comfortable to the patient. Essentially, when in communication is depending on what kind of book you're reading, you can split the brain up into two main bits, the emotional brain and the logical brain, okay? We have to please the emotional brain first in order to even talk to the logical brain, which is gonna make the end decision. So making them feel good, getting them a cup of tea, getting them uh, the the room at the right temperature, you know, the the team members asking how their day was, you know, was it okay getting there, all, all this kind of stuff, making them feel at home, Really important in getting that ultimate case acceptance. If the if the patient doesn't like you as a clinician, okay, um, say you're you're scruffy, you walk into the room and your shirt's half half tucked out, right, and uh, you smell of fags or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. they, they might th- you might be working in the best practice in the world, you might have the best team in the world, but you're not the right person for them. They're going to choose that, so they're going to go somewhere else everything from the practice to the team to the treatment plan that you present all has to work for that patient right so you you can't overemphasize on the treatment plan thinking you know what this is the best option for you everything matters right we're looking at case acceptance we're not looking at um what dentists are generally looking at which is just the treatment plan right we're, yeah. t- we're really treating the patient as a human so uh, yeah, I kind of meandered off a little bit on that. No,
1: one. <laughs> no, no, this is all very, very good, good information. So you, you've you, asked the sort of um, control question uh, about, you know, whether you want something fixed or semi fixed. And then you, you were down that decision tree. Uh, and then I started talking about the fact that, you know, not, you don't, you know, you have to be careful in how you explain things because there's a million ways to do it. it has to be appropriate for the patient. Mm. Uh, so the, the, let's say the patients then said, okay, and they've taken you down the road that this is a the treatment they want. How does it continue from there?
0: okay before i go into that one let me just show you the other um control question which is for aesthetics it's got a similar pattern but the guys in for aesthetics their emotional trigger points are slightly different and you need to switch the conversation to show that you know everything about small design okay Um, because if you're just talking about small design they're going to be like what's this guy talking about this is not appropriate so um the the way I do that, we've listened to the patient and we've um we've done all our active listening. So it's hey look John. So I know that we can make your smile look amazing. Okay, that's the first thing, just build up the, the confidence. Um, and hopefully the patient said, I want my smile to be amazing. So you pick that emotional hot trigger and you say it there. Um, just like all the photos you see in the waiting room, you know, every single smile, we've done every single one of those. And there's a certain process that we go through when we're starting to design a smile. Do you want me to show you a couple of these things now? Okay, so again, we're, it's... Uh, f- Understand the emotional trigger point, say that you can satisfy that emotional trigger point, and can I show you how we do this? Okay. And sometimes I share this on my Instagram, it's those pictures where you you, you know you've got the smile photo and you've drawn over the the that small photo with the perfect smile. And Even that is so rehearsed that there's certain principles of smile design. I mean, I don't go over, what is it, 20, 30, 40 principles. There's no point in going over all of them, but you want to do the most appropriate ones and suddenly end up with this nice smile on this photo. And the patient is thinking, I could have that. And I want him to do it because he kind of knows what makes a perfect smile
1: so this is with your sharpie so, uh, on there uh, on there just a uh, maximum smile photo on the e on the e photo or is it on the um lip at rest no, we just have well? a smile
0: and smile retracted okay no it's just smile and smile retracted those are the two key photos for this stage and if the patient goes ahead with treatment i'll normally just take a full series um but we we, we check things like the e um lips at rest and all, all of those kind of stuff f and v sounds all of that during the clinical part of this assessment Okay. By the way, that clinical part of this assessment is a maximum of ten minutes. Yeah. So, uh, whereas most dentists, you know, they, they, that is the bulk. That's the least important bit of this assessment. It's
1: very interesting. So, where where does it go from? I'm I'm very intrigued in terms of the the the, the sort of process because it's all about it's about the right process and the the theme so far I'm hearing is that. Yes, it matters what you say, but not as much as how you because the patient will never forget how they felt when they're with you. So that's a a message Mm -hmm. that I'm hearing from you about how the patient generally feels about the environment they're in also what you're making them feel about potential treatment.
0: Yeah, so when you're talking about treatments, you want you want to be energetic and enthusiastic about it, because this is a big deal for the patients right? You can't be like, yeah, we could do some veneers. Mm." (laughs) You you can't be like logical. If you're excited for the patient and you can see that transformation in your head before it's even happened, and you really want the patient to go ahead because it's going to completely change their life, you know, let that emotion be seen to the patient. Um, Again, it, it helps them. But to be honest, that bit comes a little bit with confidence. When you've done a couple of cases and you can truly see what can be done um then then it it becomes easier and easier the more you do the easier it becomes right
1: that's right and the the the, yeah the more experience you get the more people's lives you influence the more confidence you get to to influence other people's lives in that way
0: Mm. so i mean the next stage is we've taken control we've done a bit of education We also want the patient to be clear on costs at this stage. So if it's a veneer case, I'll ask, um, so when you came in to see the treatment coordinator, did they go over the kind of costs for for this kind of stuff? And typically they'll be like, yeah, um, they did. So I'll just reiterate, I'll be like, okay, look, if we're looking at veneers, it's just over a £1,000 each. So, if you have four veneers, it's going to be between four and six thousand. If you have eight veneers, somewhere between eight and eleven thousand, something like that. So, they've got a rough idea in their head how much this plan is going to cost them. Okay, with implants, it's slightly trickier because although an implant is, say, three thousand pounds, if it's a single front tooth, you then have to. Build in value of you know sometimes there's a root there, so we have to take the root out, and then we've got to use guided surgery to place the implant. Got to make a good temporary. We then have to come back, and the type of implant we use, all of this stuff, you know, typically adds up somewhere between uh, around four thousand, between four four and a half thousand, something like that, which is a big difference on three thousand, right? So now we have to also build in value for the kind of treatments which we do. So at this stage, I'm probably about 45 minutes into the, the whole consultations. We've started talking about costs here. And um, let's, say, let's say we're talking about guided surgery. I'll, I will literally take five to seven minutes explaining to the patient what guided surgery is, right? And why it's such a cool thing. Um, how we take digital x-rays of a three-dimensional x-ray, they scan, plus the the, an oral scan, we merge them together, we plan the implant treatment on a computer. And we have this really cool guide made 3d printed, which will help us precision get this implant in exactly the right place. Right? And we've got examples of all of these things to show them.
1: Yeah, so are you showing them all these things? We've
0: almost always yeah, we've almost always got a guide right some patient's guide is in in the back, uh, background um you can it would be good to have visuals of this stuff uh, readily available most patients have seen an x-ray so seeing a 3d x-ray doesn't really change stuff It's, it's you know for them to see the difference between a, a 2d and a 3d isn't a isn't a big thing um even the the scans they've had impressions so I think I don't actually use visuals, and I think maybe the case acceptance might be higher if I did. But it's not bad <laughs> not using the visuals because yeah. I think I get away with a lot of it because of um, <laughs> the energy and the confidence. Yeah, that so, I have so it's about you. The, the it's you know, it's about you. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. um,
1: so you can now explained yeah. so about the procedure you, you, got you talk-
0: a- Hmm. So again, you're going to have to differentiate yourself from every other dentist out there. So assume the patient's been to like five other consultations, right? And typically they have, and we're not the cheapest. So why do they pick us rather than all the other people? Well, one, we've spent a lot more time with them. Um, So we've got more of a rapport with the patient. Uh, But also... Because we explain everything in a lot of detail, if we're doing a smile design, again, we'll explain that we do everything in temporaries. We will get this picture, which we've drawn on this piece of paper, in your mouth, and we don't know if that's going to be your perfect smile. You have to go home and test it out. You test it out. You come back. You tell me what you like, what you don't like. We refine it until you're happy. Then we make the porcelain, okay? So, again, what that's doing is that's eliminating risk, Mm -hmm. okay? So... There's always an element of risk in a treatment plan, right? Um, Things could always go wrong. But what are you doing to eliminate risk? Okay, so again, it's showing that you care, showing that your practice has procedures to, to, to minimize risk and acknowledging that these risks are there.
1: I I love that I so, uh, I I love that um you you know ex- what we're all doing is I'm hoping we're all explaining the risks but I love the fact that you go one step above that and say this is a risk for example. I mean let let, let me give a, an example you know not so cosmetic density related but real world dentistry you're removing an upper molar and I always warn my patients that like, look um it's close to something called the sinus and sometimes uh, there's a link between the mouth and the nose but then just that one extra sentence, but don't worry, the gentle way that we're going to um, uh, do the cutting of the teeth and the roots will mean that it's going to be as gentle as possible. Uh, and then we can stitch it off if needs be. And we'll give you all the care you need just that reassurance, for example, can can make a world of difference. Mm. So I really like that.
0: Also, especially for like implant stuff. I'll always, once the the clinical consultation or this chat bit is coming to a close, I'll be like, okay, look, I've told you all the really cool things that can happen here. Do you want me to try and talk you out of this right now? (laughs) Okay, so again, just lightening the whole thing up. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: But it's at that point, I do honestly say, I'm going to try and talk you out of this, right? Here are all the bad things that can happen, okay? And with implants, we've got a policy that, Once we agree on a plan, we're going to cost, no matter what complication happens, we're going to sort that out free of charge. Okay. So I do say, you know, most of the time is plain sailing, but implants might not stick. We we might get infections. Stuff may happen, right? It's not going to cost you anything else, but it is going to increase our treatment time. It's going to be a pain in the ass as well. But, you know, there's definitely no cost. So again, it's it's reducing risk, okay? Nobody wants to be, you know, you're getting a house extension and they've quoted you 20,000, but it's coming in at 40, you know, once you've started the work, <laughs> your back's against the wall, you've literally got no choice. Yep. So you don't want that patient to ever feel that they're in that kind of situation.
1: Very good. So then um, uh, you've explained all that and the patient seems to be on board, are you sending the patient away with like a, a 20 page letter? What, what, what happens next? What's the f- final part before you actually and then what's it, what happens between now and then actually them coming in to get their implants placed or uh, their hygiene started hmm. to get you know biologically ready to have the treatment?
0: So at this stage I haven't even looked in the patient's mouth.
1: Oh, wow. Okay
0: <laughs> so we're having all of this conversation from photos and x-rays Okay. So once I've pretty much got the plan, which I think the patient's going ahead with, I'll be like, look, this all sounds good on pen and paper, but is it okay if I just have a quick look in your mouth and see if this is possible? Okay. And then patient is is tilted back a little bit we start having a look in the patient's mouth we start extra orally the nurse will name out each and every muscle that we're palpating we check for tenderness the jaw will palpate the jaw the nurse will say out loud is there any clicking is there any popping is there any um, crepitus any of these things right so during this whole consultation there's a massive checklist of about seven pages and the nurse is reading everything out and I'm responding, you know, yes, no, whatever is appropriate. And that's, again, building value, right? The, when the patient gets up from this, the patient's always like, I've never had a consultation that thorough. They probably have, but there hasn't been the show elements involved, right? The, we say it out loud because the patient is always listening to everything. So, um,
1: that's amazing. we do all that. Uh, like if, if we that, find... I, I... Yeah. I was just going to say that oh. I really like that. And someone, a previous guest on this podcast, uh, Zach Kara, who by the time this one comes out will have been on one more time as well, he calls this um, Show Your Working Out you know like in mm. maths when you do a complex equation and you get one mark for the answer but you get three extra marks actually showing you're working out you're showing you're working out mm-hmm. to the patient and that's uh that's got great like you said great a building value that you are thorough but like I said, everyone's done it everyone always checks for mouth cancer when we do our uh, mm. soft tissue exam but i i actually say on patients okay now i'm looking for signs of mouth cancer okay everything's good mm. you know and then they're like oh wow they've, they've checked mm-hmm. for mouth cancer Whereas everyone's done it but you know if you don't tell them you're doing it you're not building value into that, so that's really cool
0: yeah yeah so we go through the whole whole process and that you know takes us about 10 minutes but then we've got a cosmetic analysis at the end as well which i use for those patients who have a cosmetic emotional trigger point actually being in there you know it's it's heavily a a cosmetic improvement that they're looking for rather than functional so that's when you know verbally we'll say oh do the teeth smile line is the mid- midline coincidental with the middle of the face you know all these things this is where the f v v noises and all of this stuff comes in and we're also communicating with the patient because it's like uh, one of the questions how many teeth are on show okay so i'll be like okay John, some just smile for me okay or i'll take the, the smile photo i'll be like okay so when you smile this is the number of teeth that we can see one two three four five six you know so again it's it's very it's not so much uh a consultation where you're just looking at stuff it's a it's a conversation it's like um i hate taking your car for an mot especially i've got old cars right and there's always that stuff that needs to be fixed and it's a horrible thing to to take your car for an mot and realize you've got to spend 800 quid on something but what my garage has started doing and over the last couple of years is sending you a little video right showing you that they'll be like hey look you know check this this rotor like this you can see that it's really thin here so it's like oh yeah there is a problem how are we going to fix it it it, it changes the dynamic to the the dentist saying look you need a filling here and the patient being and that's 200 quid or being okay look your tooth has some decay here right we could do a filling here what do you reckon it's a completely different dynamic one of those the patient is being forced into having a filling the other one it's like Mhm okay yeah if a filling's the best solution let's go with that and if there's different so, uh, options the patient just co
1: diagnosis comes to comes to mind with, with that doesn't it
0: mhm yeah so it's there is co diagnosis but also you need to kind of guide it mm-hmm. so a typical situation a patient's got a post crown it's been there for forever in a day never cause a problem there's a slight pa area on there as well so you need to be able to explain to the patient that that tooth is weaker right and typically what I do you see it on the x-ray it's a whole load of white on a little bit of tooth so i'll draw the outline of the tooth and i'll see like okay look everything white on this tooth is um is man-made okay it's not adding any any strength how much of your own tooth in percentage do you think you've got there Right? So by getting them to say, "Oh, probably about 30%, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I'll probably agree with you, right? So this tooth has probably you know, only got 30% of its original strength. Okay, so they already know that it's, it's not the best tooth in the world. So if you're doing a smile design and you're including this tooth, they know there's a risk that you do this smile design and two, three, four, five years down the line, it could break and because they've been involved in the the assessment and they understand the health of each tooth that it's not a surprise when it breaks and quite often yep. I'll be like look when it does break it might be a 3-4 grand job to fix it so again they know that
1: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. it's like when the suspension breaks on my car I know it's a thousand pound job because my garage has
1: told me <laughs> so. you, you, like your, you like your car and MOT analogies don't you
0: May, <laughs> if you have old cars <laughs> it's, it's a stress
1: <laughs> fantastic mm. fine so you've done your clinical exam now uh, and i love the whole checklist process uh, and you're getting the patient involved you're not telling them they need fillings you're showing them they need the fillings um what happens next
0: okay so you've pretty much got the treatment plan from the beginning and now you've, you've confirmed that that's appropriate. So I'll just be like, hey, look, like, so I need to give you these treatment plans, okay? And if you give me 10 to 15 minutes, I can do it for you right now. And what I'm going to give you is this and this treatment plan, okay? So we've probably spoken about seeing the hygienist a couple of times and they know what the cost of that is. So I'll say that's one treatment plan that I'm going to give you. Another treatment plan is, and I'll, I'll give them the options of the kind of stuff which they were interest, showing more in in. So if it was, um, say, all in four fixed for the top, I'd be like, okay, look, I'm going to give you one plan for all in four. and I'm going to give you another plan where we use implants and locators and, you know, and then you can decide what, what you want to do after that, you know, so give them a, a couple of options. Um, for veneers, you can give them an option. If you're not sure where they sit price-wise, how much they want to um, put into this, you can give them an option of, six veneers eight veneers ten veneers whatever
1: and that's then, three different sheets um, of paper
0: for six eight and ten or yeah so veneers is slightly different it is three sheets of paper but it's usually the six veneer option and then if you choose to add two more this is how much it would cost yeah okay and then if, if you, so instead of giving them uh you know an eight Ten, twelve thousand pound piece of paper where they can add up. That's the ridiculous. You know, thing. they're they adding it up. Um, yeah. yeah. What you get is the the eight eight thousand plus the two and a bit thousand plus two and a bit thousand. So it's it's like if I upgrade from six to eight, this is how much it would cost extra.
1: And by this plan, this is not like a, a text-heavy plan. This is like an estimate, or is this actually a description? descriptive plan? Yeah, yeah. Plan? No, no, it's
0: just no 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 it's it's um you put put everything on in your practice management software you know, however however it works and you can just print a plan okay and so you know really all they want to know is the cost yeah. the cost of the thing right um there is a, a um like a letter which goes out which is it's got lots of different templates so that goes out it. after the yeah that's that's yeah, something else fine. so if it, you know you, you've got those situations where you've got this post crown and you don't know how long it's going to last those things need to be kind of documented a little bit differently Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Fine so you're going to give them some time so what it sounds like is they go away with these these, um, Mm. estimates like of plans in their hand and then you're also going to follow up with a a more comprehensive written plan explain the risks that are relevant to that specific patient Um, uh, are they Paying a deposit towards some time with you yet, or are you giving them some time to sort of um, speak with their partners, family? What, what's the final bit involved before they can finally come and see you? Who discusses the financing with them? Is it the treatment coordinator again, or mm-hmm. how does that work?
0: Yeah, so at the end of every consultation, clinical consultation, there's time booked into the TCO diary okay the treatment coordinator diary and i'll say to the patient at the end of the clinical bit say you know give me 10-15 minutes go have a coffee and we'll, we'll take it from there so nurse takes the patient upstairs to where i was having my coffee at the beginning and um and and just makes small chit chat now my nurse is so cool she she uh, she gets the feedback off the patient and she can pretty much tell me if they're going to go ahead or not right from go, just taking the patient up the stairs um and if if they need to build up trust and and all that, the the nurse and the the patient can just chat for a little bit. So after about 10, 15 minutes, we meet in the treatment coordinator room. Um, Just before I tell you what goes on in there, you mentioned do they need to go and speak to a significant other to to make the decision. At the initial treatment coordinator appointment, quite often we'll um, ask if there's anyone else who needs to be involved in the decision for you know going ahead with this treatment so we'll get the the details of the the decision maker really and we want that decision maker to be in on the clinical consultation okay because if if you go through all this effort and they need to ask their partner before they can even go ahead it's it's a waste of time. All that value is just going to be all that patient's going to give the the, the decision maker is the piece of the paper, right? With the cost so of true. it. Absolutely. So that that's yeah that that's not the value's not there. So you do want to make sure that the decision maker is there, and when you're talking, you're talking to the patient and the decision maker. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. Then okay. Then we. Come together in the TCO room, okay? And you would think this would be a high-pressure thing, but this this, all the effort goes in right at the beginning. It's like an inverse triangle, right? If you if you imagine the information gathering is at the top, that's how much time information gathering takes, and you know discussing treatment plans underneath that. Clinical consultation is a lot less. This is effectively the close part of the sale. This is literally five minutes of my time if that's right and it's so chilled out so patient comes in uh, if the de- decision makers there they come in as well uh, treatment coordinators there and on there as well with all the treatment plans uh we'll show them the the treatment plans i'll be like hey john look to you... before to this you know did you have any questions while you're upstairs and typically the answer is no i was just checking my emails okay so that's a good answer because if they if every single a question has been answered in your clinical consultation they've got nothing to think about they're thinking about something else right yeah. at their visit to a dentist which is normally a high stress situation for them mm-hmm. so we've taken them from typically if they're stressed out about going to the dentist that we, we've taken them from a, a highly stressed friend to a much calmer frame of mind we've fed their emotional needs we're now communicating to them logically because the, the sale selling the dream is all emotional but the close is all logical so now we've got these treatment plans all facts and figures you know all printed out and i'll be like okay look the first thing is see the hygienist for a couple of sessions we spoke about it this is what it costs and then these are your options this is what it costs this is what it costs okay so there is two parts there's the clinical closure and then there's a financial closure the clinical closure happens typically in the surgery have i found the right treatment plan for you okay and you're going to gauge that from what the patient says or are these the kind of options that you're looking for right Mm -hmm. and the the patient will, will say yes they may not be able to make a decision right there and then they may need to to think about it um and you you once you've done the clinical closure, it's just the bad the money then. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, look, this is what this option costs, this is what that option costs. Um, does this all make sense? And they're like, Yes, when can I start? Okay, you'd yeah. be surprised at the number of people who who say, When can I start? Okay. Wow. If you go through this process, it's long winded, right? But you're selling much higher treatment plans, right? Then um, when I was working in the NHS, I get excited, got a white filling, you know. But here we're doing full <laughs> mouths. You're not yeah. selling a, a little product for a little tooth. We're selling much more than a smile. This is going to change someone's life. How so, many years have you been doing then,
1: it this way for?
0: About to, Yeah. And you know what? There, there's no shortcuts as well. Sorry, it got cut out always there. Always it, got, think, it got
1: cut out there. How many yeah. years? Sorry.
0: So about 10 years. Okay and there's no there's no shortcuts okay so we've we've tried eliminating one little section because if you imagine it's very time consuming and if you can reduce the treatment the 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 time investment here you can do more treatment because this isn't this is not necessarily profit generating time right you're spending so much time with the patient the only reason we take 200 pounds is to show that the patient is serious about this yeah um it's it's a loss leader Right, that's, yep. that's hardly covering the wages to keep the practice open. So we, we've tried to take this out, but it just doesn't run as smoothly. You don't get the case acceptance. So it's, it's, it's actually a false economy trying to, to rush these things. And remember, all of our patients, well, the vast majority are self-referrals. They're people who've seen stuff online. They want, they, they want us to solve their problem okay so if it's a slightly different dynamic if you've got referral practice because if your dentist says hey look go and meet my mate he's really good at implants and you send them across that guy can easily sell a 10 20 grand plan because all the sale has been done by the original referring dentist mm-hmm, okay yeah. all the trust is already there and um, typically they've talked a bit about money so they know it's a bit expensive so we're taking cold patients who've never seen us before. And at the end of this process, those guys are saying, look, when can I begin? Yeah, then the treatment coordinator can go through the the money side of stuff, um, all the finance options and uh, literally everything like that. Typically, they will book in for a hygiene session and just pay for that uh, themselves. And this whole process, if you notice, there's, there's no pushiness about it at all. You know, the patient has to opt in. The patient has to be like, yes, you're the guys for me. This is the plan for me. I want you guys to do this. Here's my money. You know, that, that's it, it's, it's weird because <laughs> years ago, you know, you read sales books, you learn about closes and, you know, all this verbal ninja work that you can do, right? But I've found the more you close your patients in, the more you say... Um, you know do this by this time and you get a discount. it just cheapens you right yeah. um and you you don't want that at the end of the day we are just humans the patient and me we're just humans right i just have a bit of a skill that i can fix teeth the patient can probably do a million things that i can't do so okay it's like how can we make this work how can i fix your teeth and yeah, we're all happy. That's uh, at the very broad sense. That's that's what's going on here.
1: That is, uh, goes That is absolutely fantastic. I really appre- appreciate you giving your time to really deconstruct the entire patient journey. And um, you know, some people listening to this right now or watching this right now, you know, they're thinking, "Gosh, I don't have a treatment coordinator. I don't have that much time mm. to allocate. My principal's going to kill me if I start doing it for mm, for this mm. long." But I think. If you take away the principles that you said and eventually you know it, it you know Rome wasn't built in a, in a day it took you some years to, to get to this point so everyone's on a journey take your time and I think the best thing that you could do if you're not quite set up to replicate the, the, the amazing journey that you've produced is right back to the very 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 first point is deciding who your ideal patient is and making sure that they're the ones coming in. I think if you focus some of it on that, then I think that part of the inverse triangle, the broadest part is is even broader and, and, and more uh, appropriate. Would you say that's a fair thing to say to someone who, who can't quite have the setup that you have at the moment?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So here's, here's something really cool, okay? Um, we're filming this right in the midst of this COVID lockdown, right? It's like Easter bank holiday and In this lockdown period, I've had, I think, six consultations with patients online and not been able to do any of this process. And on average, these treatment plans, which these people online have been introduced to is between 10 and 15,000 pounds. Okay. So I think I totaled it up as about 60,000 pounds in potential treatment. People who I've never seen in my life, okay contacted me via the website or or instagram or social media whatever it doesn't matter how they get in contact with you and what what i did was just took this information gathering bit okay just feeding the emotional side of the sale right and introducing them to cost and options and i just did that and verbally you know the the patients already knew how much it was roughly going to cost um and they're all ready to come as soon as we're able to go for this lockdown. So another way that you could do this is, one, position yourself properly, right? So what I mean by that, you know, market positioning, what are you good at? What is that tiny little segment of the population who are looking for this one specific problem? How can you serve them best, understand their needs, communicate this through effective marketing, and, get inquiries, okay? Then, if you're doing this at the end of the day, you know, maybe six o'clock, these, these consults, by the way, are only taking me half an hour, these video consults, because we don't have to take photos before. We don't have to do the clinical consultation. We're not doing the clothes. All we're really doing is taking a lot of time out of surgery and, and, and doing it online. Now, the downside is you don't make as much of an emotional connection. I don't know how well this will work in a non lockdown scenario. Okay, mm-hmm. but a lockdown scenario is the best that we've got. So yep. that's what we're that's that's what I'm doing. I'm really surprised at the results. Um, but it is it is working. I mean, yeah, and it's only uh, taking up half an hour at a time.
1: That's fantastic. And uh, I've had one patient consultation myself via zoom, and I've got three more lined up. and patients raring to go with the orthodontic treatment. Thankfully, uh, a lot of the work had been done before in terms of, and, and the next point I want to make is that, you know, you need to have your entire team on board as well. So you can't do the kind of stuff that you're doing if you haven't got the, the right receptionist, the right nurse, everyone needs to be in on it from, from the person who's reading out your checklist to the, the warm and friendly environment that's created by a receptionist. So it's a gen, generally a team effort, I think it's fair to say as well.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So you can do that. If you're an associate, right? First of all, you're usually got one nurse, okay? So if you've got one nurse, they know how you can work, but can you can train your nurse to do this whole checklist and this process and get them on, on board. And also, people think that leadership in a practice is top-down, okay? So practice owner uh, will t- will lead everyone else. But there's upward leadership as well. Okay. So upward leadership is when the associate can actually go to, to the practice owner and say, Hey, look, you know, I wanna try and put this and it's it's gonna generate you, you know, X amount more potentially. But I need six months to try and implement this. You know, is that cool? So you effectively had to sell the idea to your practice owner right. Um, taking into account their possible hesitations in terms of lost clinical time that you know, how are we going to catch up on those EDAs, <laughs> all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I there love is that. Le- leading from the bottom, bottom up is uh, leadership.
1: Mm. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Chris, that is uh, so many fantastic gems there that you've uh, given us. I really appreciate it. Uh, Thank you so much for, for coming on. Um, for those who want to be able to uh, learn more from you, please do send me your uh, website link so that they can get in touch because um, I know you run the, mm. the, the the photography course online which people have been signing up to, which is uh, uh, amazing. If you've got any more resources, I'd love to send them to everyone. please send them to me uh, and it's been really, really nice chatting to you today.
0: Cool. shall I tell you what what we've got going on. okay, so please, please. Uh, all this period of time we've I've been working on. Basically, there's everything I've told you now, right? building it into a course it's called the ultimate case acceptance course okay it details every little aspect um you know from body language what you say how you say it uh, the information gathering stage all the different stages it kind of lays them all out so it's really transparent okay and how to deal with individual situations we've got a an online course on 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 occlusion okay understanding the basics of occlusion how we we take a very complicated case turn it into a simple case we've got the photography we've got uh, restoring dental implants and i'm sure there's like one or two other little mini courses that we've got going on as well and we're we're building this all under the, the kind of the dental notebook accelerator brand and people who sign up to this it's kind of like an online mentoring scheme and they get all these courses for free Okay, so I think it's like 5,000 pounds worth of courses or something that you can access for free. And there's just like a a monthly subscription, which is a lot less than what I used to pay for my mentoring. But it's getting to the stage where where I'm at now wasn't about the knowledge. We covered this right at the beginning. It wasn't about the, the knowledge, but it's about the practice and constant refinements and improvements that you're gonna make. And it's a lot easier to to get to where you want to be if you've got someone helping you and who has done it themselves so um i'll give you the links to to all this stuff and uh, and you please you do can i'd, I'd love to check
1: it out yes. thank you thank you so much that sounds really 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 fantastic uh, all those little things and also going into deep i mean you gave so much value in this episode but to go in even deeper uh, as well as the whole implant side and occlusion that sounds uh, really, really awesome thank you so much goes have a, a lovely time with in the remainder of this uh, lockdown. Take care, stay safe. And it's a great it's been great <laughs> having you on the show today.
0: You too. Thanks for having me. Thanks. It thank was really you. great.
1: So there we have it, guys. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. And as always, thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. If you found value from this episode, if you came away energized from this episode and looking forward to to writing some notes and listening to this episode again just to get full value from it, please let me know and please leave a review uh, on the uh, the platform where you listen, be it uh, iTunes or wherever, because that's how my podcast can grow and then I can attract uh other guests like you know my dream is to get pascal manier on this uh, podcast one day and he ain't gonna do it unless there's a load of five stars on the podcast reviews so please do be kind enough to 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 leave your comments i'd really appreciate it as always uh sign up to the newsletter on protrusive.co.uk for updates and i really look forward to to the next episode and i'm gonna let you guys decide what you want to listen to via facebook and instagram thank you guys